running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, week two in the books. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. This is Running Up the Score. Today, we're going to get into a lot of stuff. We're going to recap all of week two. Get ready for Thursday night football tonight. Giants, 49ers, the massacre that will be. And then, uh, you know, we'll get into some news in the hobby quick. But let's start it off. Around the league, some news. Nick Chubb out for the season. Unfortunately, the... We all expected this. I mean, when you saw what you saw on Monday night, you saw him get carted off. Unfortunately, it's also the same knee that he messed up in college. It sucks. It's not something that you want to see. One of, if not the best running back in the league, one of the better offenses in the league with Nick Chubb at running back, and we won't see that. But what we will see with Cleveland, Kareem Hunt now in the backfield. He re-signs with the Browns. He re-signs with the Browns to fill in for Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford will be doing a lot as well. So if you haven't picked him up on fantasy, maybe look into Jerome Ford as well. Also, Cam Akers was traded to the Vikings. The Vikings add... A decent running back. I think that's going to add to, you know, the passing game and just the speed of Minnesota's offense. Does that help them get over the the hump? I don't think so. I think it's just a good move, you know. But also some very serious news, uh, a very serious situation that's going on in Chicago. No, not what's going on the on the field, but. After the game, we found out that, or not after the game, but like the next day, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, uh, we found out that defensive coordinator Alan Williams resigned from his position of defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, and they were citing mental health reasons. But now it's brought to our attention that his house was raided by the FBI. Now... Your house doesn't get raided by the FBI by accident. You're on their radar, and they've been doing their homework, basically, for them to raid you. Uh, Supposedly, from a source that I've gotten on Twitter, uh, the Sting found some extremely sensitive content. Alan Williams will most likely never coach again for the Chicago Bears. And they're also saying for any NFL team for the rest of his life. So I don't know what this is. I, you know, we don't know what this sensitive content is. But this is serious. This is serious. And another thing that I didn't know, Charles Peanut Tillman is an FBI agent now. Yes, it blew my mind as well. But he is the reason why the Chicago Bears found out about it because he contacted and reached out to the the organization to tell them what was going on. So this is like, not only is Chicago a dumpster fire on the field, but now they're adding more to the, the dumpster fire, I guess you could say. Um... But it's time. The NFL week that was. Week two. Saints. Panthers. So what we learned from this game. Saints defense is actually pretty damn good. It's not It's not bad. And I think Derek Carr is starting to find his stride with New Orleans. Some of the throws that he made were unbelievable. Especially towards the end of the game. Uh, he stepped up when he needed to. The Saints offensive line is not very good though. 
And that's a little scary for anybody, you know, because like the like I've said since the offseason, the NFC South is up for grabs. It really is. The Saints probably have the most talented team out of the NFC South, but we're seeing signs from Tampa Bay, and we'll get into them. Uh, we're seeing signs, like you, you start to see some signs from Bryce Young, although he is hurt now and he hasn't practiced. So his uh, his Sunday possibility is up in the air. But you're starting to see signs from other teams in that division. The Falcons are 2-0. and The Falcons look good. Desmond Ritter actually finally looked good in, you know, with the ball in his hands, I guess. You know, he he finally was able to let loose. I think he had over 250 yards passing. So the teams are starting to catch up with the Saints here. So the offensive line will be an issue for the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, we'll see what, what happens. But also, side note, and I heard NFL Network talk about it. The the broadcast showed Bryce Young's parents way too many times. You know, like it, it's it's one thing to to show them once in a while because you'll you'll get like you know baseball games, football games. A, a, you know, guy makes his debut even though it's his second game, so we really even shouldn't even be showing this. But you know when. Guys make their debut, you always show the family, maybe once or maybe after, you know, they do something well just to see the the excitement. But that's it. They showed them so many times on that broadcast. It got annoying. And then, you know, we've had other players' parents mic'd up, and it's just, like, it's ridiculous. I think it was Aiden Hutchinson's last week or whatever it was. But Saints win this game 20-17. to Panthers, as I said, Bryce Young hurt. We'll see if he plays on Sunday. We move on to the 49ers and the Rams. Now, there's uh an interesting thing that's going on in this uh in this game or after this game that I want to talk about as well. But 49ers win this game 30 to 23. I honestly think honestly think and I've said this, I've kind of alluded to this a couple of times through the shows the last couple of shows, I guess. I think Brock Purdy's overrated. Uh, I, you know, because I, like I said, you know, I, I've been in the hobby for now almost two and a half years, three years. And, you know, you start to see things like, you know, you see some of these rookie quarterbacks go for such high prices for no reason. And Brock Purdy's prices are ridiculous. And I understand it because a lot has to do with long playoff runs. So when you're talking about Brock Purdy and you look at the San Francisco 49ers, this is the reason why Trey Lance went for so much money when he was a rookie. Because you look at the team and you're like, all right, no matter who the quarterback is, they're going to make a deep run because of how talented the team is. When you look at guys like Bryce Young, you know their team's not that great. So their prices don't go as high as they probably should. And I mean, Bryce Young, you know, that that draft class. So you're, you're looking at Bryce Young, you're looking at Anthony Richardson, and you're looking at um, C.J. Stroud. Those are the guys that are the high-priced rookies out of this past draft class. But when you talk about Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy is the perfect, and I hate to say this with some of these guys, but he's the perfect system quarterback. There's a reason why he was Mr. Irrelevant, okay? The team around him is so damn good. And just the offense that Shanahan runs, Brock Purdy's perfect for it. They they put so many guys in motion, whether it be Debo Samuel, whether it be Brandon Ayuk, whether it be Christian McCaffrey, they're constantly moving. There's misdirection all the time. They they either hand it off on a misdirection. They, you know, do all these different things with guys in motion. And it's confusing to a defense. It is. 
That's why they're so good at running the ball. But Brock Purdy doesn't have to throw deep. I don't even think, uh, you know, I, I can't even remember the last time that, you know, Brock Purdy's thrown a ball past 40 yards. Because he doesn't have to. His bread and butter is play action, hit a slant 10 to 15 yards in front of him. And it works. It works. But I think that clouds the judgment for some of these people that, that think you know Brock Purdy is a top quarterback in this league. The 49ers are just that good of a team. Now, also talking about how good of a team they are, can we talk about, you know, maybe they're not the best team in the league? Because last I checked, okay, now everybody, everybody with power rankings, and I'll give my power rankings later, everybody with power rankings has the 49ers number one. I don't understand it. They gave up 23 points to a Rams team with an aging quarterback and missing their best offensive weapon. Mind you, Puka Nakua is is playing out of his mind right now. And he's turning himself into a household name. And actually turning the opinion of the Los Angeles Rams into a different one. Because we were going into this season, and I even said it in the offseason, but this is what I this is this is kind of what I meant when I said why not just tank this season? Because again, they did enough to stay borderline relevant. But not enough to be a Super Bowl team and too much to be a number one pick in the draft team. So this whole thing is going to like really mess up the Rams. Uh, although they, they have a chance this year to, to spoil some teams. But again, the 49ers gave up 23 points to a team that's missing their number one weapon on offense. So, I mean, you have a team that's point differential is 60, plus 60. And then you have a team that's given up 23 points to an okay team. I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know. And I don't think Brock Purdy actually looked that good in this game. So, it's, it's questionable to me. But now, the thing that I was talking about with this game that there's a little situation is Sean McVay deciding to kick the field goal at the end of the game. And it covered the spread. Okay, so now everybody's up in arms saying that the Rams are in on it. That there's something going on with the sports books in Vegas and the Rams. I don't really think it's that. Okay, I I don't the way I look at it and I understood because Sean McVay came out in an interview. They asked him about it and he said he had no idea. And basically his reasoning for it was you just want to get the points to give yourself enough time to a get an onside kick, but b also try to score a tying touchdown. And I understand that. And I, I mean, this is coming from. You know, the Madden player for me. Because there's times where I've done that. You know, it saves time. Just get into an you know, into field goal range quick enough to kick the field goal, but also to give yourself enough time to have a longer run, to have a longer drive, to try to score the tying touchdown. Obviously it didn't work out that way. Onside kicks are a little you know, are very hard to get. But whether they got the touchdown or, you know, whether they they wasted all the time trying to get a touchdown and 
you know, didn't get the onside kick or whether they saved the time, kicked the field goal, and then tried to get the onside kick. It's either, it's like both ways, it really doesn't matter. And I think people are making too much of this. I don't think it really has anything to do with the spread. I really don't. Now, I, I understand what everybody's getting at because, you know, every commercial is about a sports book. You know, these teams are advertising sports books. FanDuel, DraftKings, everything like that. Caesars. That's all you see. JB Smooth's on, the, on a commercial, every other commercial. We understand that. But I don't think that has anything to do with the play on the field. So I, I, think, I think we're looking too far into this to even think that this had anything to do with the sports books. Giants, Cardinals. Cardinals, um, they dropped the ball. When you're up big on a team like that, not to mention a team that has been held to zero points through six quarters of the season, you have to put your foot on the neck and snap it. You can't let them come back and win this game. The Giants, on the other hand, escaped disaster. Because if they would have lost this game the way that they were losing earlier in the game to the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, A, it would have been hilarious to listen to New York sports radio. But B, I mean, just overall what would have been going on inside that locker room is unreal. So the fact that the Giants came back in this game, they showed heart in the second half. They showed how good the, the offense could be. Again, it's against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have a good pass rush. So Daniel Jones showed grit. Unfortunately, they're not going to have Saquon Barkley for the game this Thursday against the 49ers. I, I mean, that's going to be a rough game for them. But, listen, Giants pulled it out. They win 31-28. Bears, Bucks, Fields, Justin Fields, and this offense is, is really just struggling. And I know we were just talking about the Bears and the dumpster fire that is, especially this whole organization, you know, moving forward. But, I, you know, I kind of blame the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazar, on his struggles. The... The thing is with Justin Fields is he's shown signs of how good of a quarterback he could be. And I know everybody's just, you know, posting the video of him sitting in the pocket, missing an open DJ Moore in the middle of the field for most likely a touchdown and ends up taking a sack. I understand that, but I, it's just a play calling. I mean, when it comes down to it and it comes down to all these young quarterbacks these offensive coordinators and these coaches are not playing to their quarterback. That's the issue. You're expecting too much of a young quarterback. Mind you, Justin Fields has been in the league for three years now. I, I understand that. And he should be better. But when you have an organization like the Bears right now, I just... The way I look at it, you just have to play. There should A, be more. And, I, you know, I kind of also feel like Justin Fields is trying to show too much that he can be a pocket quarterback and not just one of those mobile, you know, great running quarterbacks. And I think that's what's going on with him right now. And I think that's where the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, whoever it is, needs to pull him aside and also play call to your quarterback. Right now, the hot seat for Matt Eberflus is as hot as it can be. And Bill Lazar as well. I think... You know, especially the comments that 
Justin Fields made after the game where he felt robotic. It just shows you that the the issue is the play calling. And you're not helping your quarterback. You're expecting way too much from him. Make it easier. That's what an offensive coordinator is supposed to do. Make it easier for your quarterback. You only get, you know, great quarterbacks every once in a while. You only get a Tom Brady every once in a lifetime. You only get an Aaron Rodgers every once in a while. Guys that are on the field and you don't have to worry about. You can give him any play call and they'll make the right decision. But then you have other quarterbacks that are talented yet struggle with making the right play. And that takes time. But help him out. And the Chicago Bears are not helping out Justin Fields. And honestly, I think he might be better off moving on to another team. But that's not going to happen, obviously, because of what the the Bears did in the offseason. So they're going to have to figure it out. Baker Mayfield? Rejuvenated. The best we've ever seen Baker Mayfield. And it's amazing to see. I'm... I'm excited watching Baker Mayfield play with this Tampa Bay uh, this Tampa Bay team. Mike Evans had a huge game, a little slower. You know, he's getting old. He's getting a little slower, but had a big game. The panic meter for the Bears is very, very high. Very high. But the hot seat is very hot for both the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Bucks win this 27-17. Colts, Texans. Colts win this one 31-20. Anthony Richardson was having another really good game. Two touchdowns earlier in the game. Ends up getting a concussion. He was out for the game. But what I've also noticed in this game, when CJ Stroud has time to throw, he throws a gorgeous ball. Absolutely gorgeous. There's a reason why people were saying that he was the best passer in this draft. And it's showing when he does have time. And um, I, I think as they go on, I think, the uh, you know, getting more weapons. Even though I don't even think he really needs that many more weapons. Because Tank Dell showing that he's a, a beast. You know, Nathaniel Dell. Um, you know, you have Nico Collins. You have Damian Pierce. Dalton Schultz was added to that team. I think the offensive line needs to get better. And I think they could use a number one receiver. I don't think Tank Dell or Nico Collins is a number one receiver. But I think if they get a number one receiver and they shore up that offensive line, that team could be good. Their defense needs to get better. But um, also, when it comes down to the Colts, is there a better backup quarterback than Gardner Minshew. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. You know, you lose your starting quarterback, and yet you still put up 31 points. I mean, that's that's incredible. You want that from every backup quarterback. So Colts win this one. Raiders, Bills, Bills finally show what kind of team they could be. They win this one 38-10. to 10. But, you know, what I've noticed in this game, Josh Allen's a good quarterback. Josh Allen is so good that, yes, I think he still is the number two quarterback in the league. I don't care about the interceptions. It's the same thing with Dak Prescott. I don't care about the interceptions. Yes, week one did the, the interceptions that Josh Allen threw in that game did cost them the game. But other than that, he is a gunslinger. That's what you're expecting from a gunslinger. You're going to throw the picks. The way I look at it when it comes to Josh Allen, Josh Allen stands there across from his opponent saying, I am better than you. And I'm going to make a throw that no matter what, is going to be better than you. So, 
I think a lot of his interceptions are just his own confidence. Like, I can make that throw. Don't worry. I'll open you up with this throw. And when you have a guy like Stefan Diggs on the other side, makes it easier, makes him more confident. So, yeah, I don't care about the interceptions. Dak Prescott, don't care about the interceptions. I think Josh Allen is still the number two quarterback in this league. And it shows. I mean, look at the kind of quarterback that he is. And I'm going to come out with a hot take here. James Cook, better than Dalvin Cook. I said it. I know Dalvin Cook's older, but James Cook looked good. And also, this is the reason why I don't like the Raiders doing anything really good this year. Because with Jimmy G under center, they're never going to survive shootouts. And this was always my issue with Jimmy G. They are not going to survive shootouts. And this is what made him so good in San Francisco was that he didn't need to. There was no shootouts to be had against the 49ers because of how good their team was. But in terms of Las Vegas, he's not going to win you any shootouts. So if you get into shootouts, consider it a loss. There was no way in this game that with the Bills scoring 38 points, there was no way the Raiders were scoring 39 or more points in this game. And Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher from last year, having negative two yards rushing in this one, pitiful. The Buffalo Bills defense is actually pretty good. Their pass rush is good, and I think it's only going to get better with Buff with uh, Von Miller coming back. But overall, the Bills showed their dominance in this game. And I think week one was just the, you know, it, it was whatever. I think a lot had to do with, you know, just the rain, being on the road, everything like that. So I don't really put that game, you know, on the Bills. And, you know, I'm not using that to, to analyze the Bills. Next game, Packers. Falcons, Falcons win this one 25 to 24. You know why you draft a running back with the number seven pick, even though you have a running back already on your team that just rushed for a, a thousand yards? Bijan Robinson. That's why. The dude is special. I mean, his his cuts, the ankles he's broken so far through two games have been unbelievable. The way his vision is, just and just receiving as well. Bijan Robinson is special. And that's the reason why you draft him with the seventh pick. I was glad to see Desmond Ritter throwing the ball more in this game. You know, this Falcons offense can be very dangerous. It can be. And it's all on the back of Desmond Ritter. If Desmond Ritter shows that he can throw the ball with the best of them, this offense, it like it's really sky's the limit. And again, as I said before, with this NFC South, it's up in the air. It's up for the taking. Atlanta can take this. The Saints aren't much better than the Falcons. So, I mean, what I've seen from the Falcons, especially even on defense, their defense is good. Grady, Jarrett, Calais, Campbell, this defense is good. And also what I've seen from the other side, the Packers. The Packers have a very, very young, very good offense. Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, those three showed enough through the first two games. But then you also forget Christian Watson is on the sideline hurt and he's going to be coming back soon. Jordan Love looks good. He looks confident. He looks composed. This Packers team could surprise people this year. And I said earlier in the offseason that it was all dependent 
on Jordan Love. And what I'm seeing from Jordan Love, Jordan Love could actually take this team to a playoff game. Brown Steelers, Steelers win this one 26-22. As I said before, Nick Chubb left this game. He's out for the season. Kareem Hunt was just signed uh, two days later. But what I learned from this game is that either team's offenses are not very good. And that this division will come down to the Bengals and the Ravens. And my question is, like, what happened to preseason Kenny Pickett? What, like, I mean, he looked really good in the preseason. And mind you, I know that you're going against twos and threes, but there was one game that he went against the ones and played really good. It's it's like, you know, it's crazy how much it's changed because Kenny Pickett, he literally turned into last year Kenny Pickett. This offense could be good. Najee Harris, I mean, he's like non-existent. I don't understand it. And I said it in the offseason. I need to see more Najee Harris, but you're not. George Pickens is great. How is this offense not better? And also, I don't know if we'll ever see Houston Deshaun Watson. I don't know what happened in the year that he was off with his suspension. I, you know, I don't know if he ever really, you know, practiced, did anything because he doesn't look like one of the best rook, like young quarterbacks that he was supposed to be. So that's a little worrisome when it comes to Cleveland. And this is the reason why I said it's down to the Bengals and the Ravens. Oh, and TJ Watt is really good. Really good. So, uh, Commanders, Broncos. Commanders win this one 35-33. Okay. There's no reason why the Broncos should have lost this game. They were up 21-3. to And obviously the turning point of this game was Russell Wilson's fumble before the half and giving the chance to the commanders to go down 21-14, and they did. So it was a total turning point. Once they got it back into uh, the third quarter, the commanders went on a run. Sam Howell is actually a pretty damn good quarterback, and he's showing it. He really is showing it. This commander's team could really ruffle some feathers. Really. Russell Wilson still throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the league. I mean, he really does. It's unbelievable how good of a deep thrower he actually is. But overall, the panic meter for the Broncos... High and the hot seat for Russell Wilson. It's getting hotter. It's getting hotter. Eric Bieniemy is one of the, if not the best, he's one of the best offensive minds in the league, and it's showing. And I think with him, I understand now why he left Kansas City. He gets out of that that realm of, well, Patty Mahomes is just that good. He's actually showing now that he can, he can scheme, he can play call to, to anybody's talent. Because we obviously know Sam Howell talent, Patty Mahomes talent. There's a huge difference. So what you're seeing from the commander's offense is Eric Bieniemy. His fingerprints is all over it. And you could start seeing it with Kansas City too. Don't, you know, don't forget that. 
But I can guarantee you he will be the head coach for the commanders at some point. And I think that's also why he left. Because, you know, Ron Rivera, it's always up in the air with him. Because, you know, obviously we all know of his health issues. You know, it's going to come down to a point where they're going to need a, a new head coach. And I think Eric Bieniemy is the guy. And at that point, Washington really doesn't have to do much. All you just got to say is, all right, well, you're the head coach now. So I think it was a great move for Washington to add Eric Bieniemy, and I think it was, you know, just as good of a move for Eric Bieniemy to leave Kansas City. So now we go into the big games, big games that I highlighted for the week. The Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals. Division game. We always say division games are tight. But these don't show that much. Unless you win 40 to 0, but that's not here nor there. Um I knew the Bengals would sc- would struggle to start the season. I said this. They were going to struggle. And I think Joe Burrow should have sit should have sat to start the season. There's a reason why Jamar Chase came out and said maybe Joe Burrow should sit till week 5. This calf injury is no joke. And he hurt himself, re-aggravated it, and now, who knows? Who knows how long he's going to be out? But just overall, the Bengals' offense is just very stale. Like, we're not seeing what we've seen. It's like they're trying to use their talent to do all the work. And it just doesn't work like that in the NFL. Defenses are too good. But on the other hand, the Ravens looked really good. The defense is really good. The offense could definitely be one of the best in the league. You know, losing J.K. Dobbins hurts. But this team overall, this team has a very good chance to win this division. And the panic meter for the Bengals is kind of middle of the pack for me. Because of the injury to Joe Burrow. So that that's the only thing. And the hot seat for the Bengals head coach is simmering. I don't think they will because of, you know, Zach Taylor's taking them to, you know, a Super Bowl. He's taking them to the AFC Championship games. So I don't I don't see him getting fired at all. But I will say it's simmering. I'm going to say it's simmering. New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, the Ravens uh, turn to 2-0. They win this game 27-24. The New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys win this one 30-10. Zach Wilson actually didn't play that bad. You know, I, I just... When you're going into the half the way that the Jets did, he didn't throw a pick in the first, you know, in the first half. He didn't really start throwing picks until they were down by a lot. I just think that the Dallas Cowboys are just that good. And this is what I mean. When you put the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers and you look at their their first 2 weeks, you can't tell me that you think that the 49ers are better. The Dallas Cowboys have outscored their opponent. Yes, I know it's the Jets and I know it's the Giants. But they have outscored their opponent 70 to 10. This Jets defense is looked at as a top 3 defense in the league. And what Dallas did to that defense we need to talk about. We knew that the, the the defense would dominate the Jets' offense. We knew that. It's Zach, it's Zach Wilson. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Did I think he played bad? No. 
But we have to talk about the offense in this one. They were efficient. Now, we didn't really get to see the change in the offense in week one because of the weather. And also the the defense was so good that it just really didn't matter. But we were able to finally see this, you know, West Coast or as the Dallas Cowboys call it, the Texas Coast. What Mike McCarthy is doing with this offense is unbelievable. And I knew that there was going to be a change in the offense, the way the offense is run. And I think it's so much better than Kellen Moore. And I I said that the Dallas Cowboys should have fired Kellen Moore when Jason Garrett was fired. Because you weren't losing the thumbprint or the fingerprint of Jason Garrett on this offense. Now that you get Kellen Moore away, you get Mike McCarthy's team. Like, this is where we finally, finally see that it's Mike McCarthy's team. And he's calling the plays now. We can't forget that Schottenheimer has some point, has some part in this as well. But Dak started 13 of 13, and it was discussed during the game by Jim Nance and Tony Romo of how fast the Cowboys were getting into the huddle and getting out of the huddle and set up. That is what is so amazing about the change in the offense that they're giving Dak Prescott like 20 seconds or more to survey the defense and what they're going up against. Also, mind you, that the play caller can stay in the headphones of Dak until the 15-second mark. So they line up. And now Mike McCarthy can talk to Dak for a good five to eight seconds while the defense is set up. That's big. Dak started 13 of 13, and out of the 12 drives that the Cowboys had, five drives of them went over 10 plays. And they accumulated 42 minutes of possession. That's how good this offense was. And I've said this even when the Cowboys had DeMarco Murray. The biggest thing for the Dallas Cowboys, the biggest thing for any team to win in this league is time of possession. For you to have the defense on the field for as long as you can, 42 minutes, okay? I don't care how good the defense is. If they're on the field for 42 minutes, they're exhausted. Okay? So what we saw from the Dallas Cowboys offense was amazing. People questioning why Tony Pollard's only averaging 3.6 yards per carry so far through the the first two games. This was my issue with making Tony Pollard the feature back. Do I think he can be? Yes. My, my fear is just that it's not sustainable. I liked, I liked having Zeke because he was the type of running back that would punish the defense. Tony Pollard's not doing that. Tony Pollard's only just going to wear them out by running past them. But it gets to a point where you start to scheme to Tony Pollard and you're not worried about getting beat up. And that's that's my that was my thought process of why I think keeping Zeke was so big. I understand the business part of it. I understand why they got rid of him. But that's only that's that's my only fear with Tony Pollard. And and listen, it's only two games, and he went up against two good defensive fronts. So we'll see what we get from them as they play. You know, okayer. Defenses, uh, defenses. Um, now on the other side, Jets, they need to change up a lot of things. Okay. Um, but first what I noticed, they need to change up how they line up on defense. Sauce Gardner for as good as a cornerback as he is, 
The fact that he doesn't travel with the best receiver for the other team is ridiculous. That needs to stop. He needs to travel with the best receiver. No way in hell that a defense that good and a cornerback that good as well should let a team come in and throw to the number one receiver 11 times or at least have 11 catches and 150 yards receiving. There is no way in hell that should happen against a defense that good. Not to mention that the number two receiver was out. And Michael Gallup is non-existent. The fact that CeeDee Lamb had 11 catches and 150 yards, that's insane to me. And that should never happen. Now on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets, they need to reevaluate it. Zach Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers. And Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook should not combine for eight rushes. And I even heard Rex Ryan say it. He would have run the ball 50 times against the Dallas Cowboys defense. They didn't do that. They ran the ball eight times between the two. That's insane. And that is not a recipe to beating the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys defense is so fast. And there was a lot of times where, you know, the out of the eight rushes, I mean, I don't know how many there were, that the Jets ran to the outside. Like, what do you think is going to happen? The Cowboys defense is too fast for you to think that you're going to beat the Cowboys to the outside. The way to beat the Dallas Cowboys defense by running the ball is running straight at them. And the Jets didn't do that, therefore losing 30-10. to 10. Seahawks and the Lions. The way I look at this game is that these two teams are fraud alert. I don't want to call them frauds yet, but there's a chance. There is a chance. And I think how, you know, how good Detroit's offense is, they may be a fraud. The Lions offense has the potential to be one of the better offenses in the league. And I think Jameer Gibbs will actually help that. Will will help them get to that. I think more than David Montgomery would. Because he's he's kind of a special running back. Receiving and rushing. Um, the defense is where the game like in this game is where the issue lies. Detroit gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and overtime. And then losing CJ Gardner Johnson it like to a torn pick uh torn peck is so bad for Detroit. So bad. That's not something that you want to see, especially how good that Gardner Johnson is. Um, David Montgomery also could miss a couple of weeks, so now we're going to see how good of a running back that Jameer Gibbs is. Um, but Detroit now falls to 2-15 and in September and October games under Dan Campbell since 2021. That's the worst record in, by any team in the NFL during that time. And the fact that Detroit lost the turnover battle 3 nothing, that's also a recipe to lose. It really is all that's that's all you need to see to tell to tell you how you know a loss is had. Uh then we had the Kansas City Chiefs, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's easy to see the difference Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey made on that field. You would have never thought Chris Jones missed all of training camp. At times, he was the best player on the field. And Trevor Lawrence is just really good. He really is really good. Kansas City's defense is really good too. And that should be scary. Because we know what we're going to get from the offense at some point. And what I noticed from the Chiefs offense, and this is kind of going back to Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offense, I feel, isn't gadgety anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with not having Eric Bieniemy. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like you're hoping that Andy Reid kind of puts some kind of fingerprint on this offense 
that's better than what it is because right now it kind of seems like they're again another team that's just basing their offense on the talent that they have and I think that's just it's not sustainable to go all the way to a Super Bowl Chargers Tennessee Titans uh this game has nothing to do with the Titans this is all of the Chargers doing there is absolutely no way that Brandon Staley is actually making it through the season. And Kellen Moore is showing why even though, yes, having the best offenses in Dallas, he just still struggles to finish games with his offensive calling. The play calling in overtime was horrendous. He's trying too hard. Now, mind you, I mean, Justin Herbert had a really good game, didn't even throw a pick. Had a really good game. But there's no reason why you should be trying to push the ball down the field. I mean, come on. I mean, the fact that, you know, Mike Williams had 80-plus yards. Um, Keenan Allen had 100-plus yards. Their running game wasn't really there, but that's Kellen Moore. That's Kellen Moore. This is the reason why I didn't like Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. The Chargers should not be losing to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, especially with Justin Herbert having that good of a game. And with all the stars that the Chargers have on defense, what is going on? What is going on? This defense is bad. I mean, the the score of this game, 27-24 in overtime. You gave up 27 points to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans? That's, That's unacceptable. The panic meter, super high. The hot seat, Very hot for Brandon Staley. Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, Sunday night. Dolphins pass rush is very underrated. It really is underrated. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips are a problem. And when they get Jalen Ramsey back for this defense, this defense could be really good. And if Tua plays a whole season, this offense is really scary in reality. But also what I noticed in this game, and I noticed it in week one as well, Mac Jones is going to be a good quarterback in this league. He's he's showing me a lot throughout these last two games. And I think he'll just and New England I think is just going to be fine in the coming years. They just need to get better offensive weapons. You know, they have good receivers, good, not great. They have very good tight ends. Ramondre Stevenson is a very good running back. They just need to, and and their defense is good. I think this team just needs the weapons to be able to score more. And I think that New England could be, you know, a dangerous team moving forward. Uh, But Miami wins this one 24-17. Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles. This was Thursday night football. Jalen Hurts isn't as good as we all may think. That's it. We're seeing it this year. You know, both their offense and defense lost their coordinators. You're seeing that this year. Their offense isn't playing like it did last year. Their defense isn't playing like it did last year. Just the fact that the Eagles need to run the ball to win the game. That's what it comes down to. If you make Jalen Hurts a passer throughout a game, your chance of winning goes really high. So the Eagles are not as good as we thought. Are not as good as we saw last year. They're a different team this year. And we're seeing it. Vikings panic meter. I put it at the middle. I put them at the middle. Um, Minnesota is actually still fumbling the ball as we speak. That's how many fumbles that they had in this game. 
the one thing that always made Minnesota's defense so good was their ability to stop the run. And that wasn't even close to happening in this game. So, therefore, there was no chance of them winning this game. But they did throw the ball very well against the Eagles. And it just shows how to beat the Eagles. Pass the ball. And I think people can run the ball, actually, against them, too. So, this defense is struggling. They're not even sacking the quarterback as much as they did last year. So, that's big. And that's my that's that's the difference in this team. That was the week that was. Now it's time for the power rankings. Ruts Sports NFL Power Rankings for week two. Here we go. We'll start off with number 10. Number 10, I give it to the Browns. I think that this offense could be good if uh, Deshaun Watson starts playing better. And I think the way that their defense is constructed, especially their def- def- defensive line, I think they could make a, make some noise. But it all comes down to Deshaun Watson. Number nine, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They These two teams are teetering. They're teetering. I don't think either one is great, but as of right now, I have them in the top ten. Buffalo Bills are number eight. Josh Allen showed exactly who Josh Allen is. Not the picks, but the 38 points. And the, the offense that can be with the Buffalo Bills to add to the already good defense. Number seven, New Orleans Saints. I think the New Orleans Saints are playing very well right now. I think their defense is better than I expected. I think Derek Carr is actually a good quarterback. So that is my difference in that. But they are also teetering. They could find themselves out of my top 10 very soon. The Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are number six. And they are a good team. They are a very good defensive team. And their offense has shown signs this year that they could be a top offense in this league, therefore making the Baltimore Ravens a scary team to face. And I have them at number six. Kansas City Chiefs have moved back into my top ten. They move up to number five. Because Patrick Mahomes showed exactly who he is. The Chiefs showed exactly who they are. And the reason why I have them in here, even though winning, losing week one, that was a, you know, that was a fluke. Not having Chris Jones, not having Travis Kelsey, that changed in this game against Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a very good team and the Kansas City Chiefs stifled them. That's what scares me with the Kansas City Chiefs is that their defense is good. Number 4 is the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think they're as good as they are as as everybody thinks, but as of right now, they are better than 28 other teams. The Miami Dolphins, their offense is scary. Scary. But their defense is just not as good as you would hope to add to an offense like that. They're giving up a lot of points. Yes, they might be getting pressure on the quarterback, but that's not doing anything because they're still putting up the points or they're still giving up the points. Number two. The San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 49ers are not as good as the Dallas Cowboys in terms of the first two weeks. I'm sorry. That's how I'm running this off of. And the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers are probably going to flip-flop throughout the whole season because of just how their games go. That's how it's going to go from my power rankings. But in terms of the best teams in the league, these are two of them. And week five is going to be very, very fun. But that's the power rankings for running up the score. Now we move on to the hobby real quick. Around the hobby. Flawless release. I mean, that, that I really don't need to say much after that. The, the price is already high. The price of the box was insane. Maybe like $7,000 or something like that. Um, but it's also one of the best products that Panini puts out. Speaking of Panini, the WWE joins the NFLPA in terminating their contract with Panini. Just in from Darren Ravel. Two weeks ago, the WWE terminated Panini for breach of contract with two plus years left. The WWE says Panini, which is still selling product, is now in violation and will seek an uh, injunction. Fanatics 
which also had a deal starting in 2026, is expected to get the rights immediately. That is huge news because the only thing that's left right now is the NBA. So how long does it take until that happens? It's going to be interesting to see. Now it's time because there's no upcoming releases. I don't have a buy-sell hold for this this week, but it is time for... That sold for what? Ethan Salas. So now we had Topps Chrome just released recently. One of the bigger baseball releases that you have per year. And they had Ethan Salas in this for his first Bowman. Or his, yeah, his first Bowman. This is Bowman Chrome, yeah. Um, Bowman Chrome, by the way. Bowman Chrome. Not Topps Chrome. Bowman Chrome. Um, so yes, first Bowman of Ethan Salas, who is looked at as one of the top prospects for the San Diego Padres. Ethan Salas's first Bowman to five auto had just sold on eBay the other day. And it sold for $7,000. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. His prices are going out of this roof. Out of this world. So yes. That starts our. That sold for what? Yep. But that will do it. I'm Jerry. This is Running Up the Score. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.